0: Welcome back to The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, there is Women's World Cup soccer taking place here just before you know it. Uh, for the United States, things get started on July 21st. So Thought we would pop on out, figure out what is the makeup of this U.S. Women's National Soccer Team and the expectations and all that's going to take place this summer so on the KDOS hotline we go out to Jeff Reuter with The Athletic Jeff appreciate the time on the program today
1: Absolutely. Thanks for
0: having me. You're very welcome here. Uh, For the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, the World Cup is taking place July 20th to August 3rd in Australia and New Zealand. They are co-hosting the event. The U.S. team is looking for a three-peat. But first, let's go back for a second and talk about the new head coach for this squad who was hired back in 2019 to replace Jill Ellis. So what sort of field philosophy has he changed and how is his style different and how is Is he being received?
1: Yeah, um, I think that, so Vlatko Andonovsky is a coach who had experience in the NWSL coaching a lot of these players uh, for their clubs. so when they're not playing for the United States. And the idea was that Jill Ellis was a coach who at times just kind of seemed to trust her best players and just say, Juilliards will control the midfield to get us out of something. We don't really need to be something more cohesive or more tactically dictated, necessarily, because of how infrequently international teams get to practice together. And so it was kind of put your best players in their best positions and let them cook. And instead, Vlatko has tried to do something that's a little bit more dependable, regardless of the personnel on the field. So the idea that you're still having similar passing sequences, you're playing in similar areas of space, whether Bell is starting towards the front of the midfield, or you have someone like Ashley Sanchez or Savannah DeMello. Uh, It's a little bit more consistent um, is one word for it, but I think what a lot of fans would say is sometimes it's a little more boring and it's plodding along a little bit that the team is wanting to control possession for the sake of it, rather than trying to find its avenues. It plays pretty narrowly. There isn't a lot of width from wingers, unless someone like Megan Rapinoe is on the left or Trinity Rodman is on the right. So they do play a very uh, impressive style of soccer, I would say, but, um, you know, the, the, the days of the potential for players to just keep on scoring and scoring like it's 13-0 at the last World Cup, I'd be very surprised if this team pulls that off again. Uh, and that's not because of the talent. Uh, that's, that's mostly just because by design, they're supposed to kind of ice a game out as they go.
0: Jeff Reuter with The Athletic here on KDOS AM 1060, having a conversation, U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. Before we get into the makeup of the team this year, it could potentially have a lot of new names on the roster uh, for people that are tuning in this summer. And some of that has been dictated because of very serious injuries that have occurred. So can you give us an update on injuries suffered to past World Cup members and maybe where the progress is at? I know it's a a bit of a long list. (laughs)
1: yeah it unfortunately is a long list and it's you know just the the saddest thing for the players most of all because you know that this is what they train for this is what they practice for what they dream of uh and you know just to be injured to miss a tournament like this is just really unfortunate for them but you know i think that the the headliner is mallory swanson uh fans who only followed at the world cups you might remember her as mallory Pugh. Um, four years ago, she was on the roster at like, a, a left back, and, and now she was the leading attacker for the United States. She played for the Chicago Red Stars and uh, was lining up on the left and was doing just everything <laughs> over the winter and over the last year and a half for Chicago and the United States and was scoring goals more often than any other player in the world, but unfortunately suffered a torn patellar tendon in April. So she was unable to return in time. She's, um, you know, in Chicago uh, – just rehab and probably will be back by fall hopefully. Um, Katerina Macario was someone who really emerged over the last three years as being one of the best young midfielders in the world. She came back from an ACL injury but just not quite in time. Becky Sauerbrunn, the captain of the program for the last three World Cups, uh, wasn't able to come back from a muscle injury in time so she was unable to play in a fifth and um, yeah it's, uh, Samantha Mewis is another one actually who is Something of a do-everything kind of calming presence in the midfield in the last World Cup and um, was arguably the, one of the team's best players. But it's very hard to choose the team's best player from 2019, to be fair. Um, but she also was unable to come back from injury in time. So that's four really crucial players, three with World Cup winning experience, um, who will be missing. But. Uh, I mean, there are 14 players of the 23 who will be playing in their first World Cup and the hope and expectation will be that they themselves carve out their own legacies for the next couple of tournaments to come.
0: Certainly, names like Megan Rapino, Alex Mor- Morgan, Kelly O'Hara, and Julie Ertz uh, are recognizable for for people and are back on the roster. For Julie Ertz, though, she has been away from soccer for a little while after giving birth to her her baby. Uh, so what does she bring to this lineup and uh, how surprising was it for her to, to make it back so quickly to this World Cup?
1: Yeah, it's really impressive that she's back for selection. Um, I, I think that in 2019 and at the Olympics in 2021, I think you just saw how important Julia is to the team's midfield shape, someone who is able to kind of bail teammates out if opponents get past them, someone who's able to keep a little bit more defensive steel and metal, someone who's a little bit more of a, you know, kind of a hard-nosed midfield type rather than someone who's just going to try to cut passing lanes out instead of going for the tackle. Um She wasn't able to come back until April. It was almost a two-year layoff. Um, First, she had had a a leg injury, and then when she recovered from that, that's when she gave birth birth to her first child last summer. So, um, yeah, a lot to come back from, certainly, and she's been looking good. She plays for Angel City out of Los Angeles in the MWSL. Um, She's been starting just about every single game, still popping up all over the field, as we remember. Still some rust to shake off, but Um, I mean, the way that it's trending, she somehow timed it just right, where she should be able to be a starting defensive midfielder, and, and that's a presence that the U.S. Women's National Team can always use.
0: Jeff Reuter with The Athletic here on KDOS AM 1060 in The Extra Point. I did mention Rapino, Alex Morgan, Kelly O'Hara, and Ertz. Uh, They will all be players that are going to be participating in multi-World Cups. Also, though, you hate as an athlete having to bring this up, but with a World Cup being every four years, uh, age does become a factor. So is there any sort of reflecting that this could be their final run at a World Cup?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's it's pretty certain that at least for Megan Rapinoe, this will be her final World Cup. There was a real day that the the roster uh, is a very wide range of ages, uh, according to Alex Morgan, age from 18 to Megan Rapinoe. um, (laughs) If you Google, you will find it's very, very unlikely to be playing in a fifth World Cup after this. So she'll be playing in a more rotational role than you saw in 2019 when she was playing every single minute that she could. Um, but I think that the team can afford to with Sophia Smith reigning uh, NWSL MVP playing on the left wing. Um, they'll be in good hands there. Alex Morgan will probably have to play almost every minute still. Um, she has not been scoring nearly as much as she used to since the pandemic, but um, she still is a uh, very dependable striker. She's a big game player. She's someone with experience, and she's someone who plays very well with Sophia Smith and the rest of the attackers, um, which is very important. Um, you, know, you get to Kelly O'Hara, and uh, it was, she was a surprise inclusion as well, someone who is going to be able to provide a lot of the leadership, which is lost by Becky Sauerbrunn's injury, and somebody who is going to be able to step in in a couple of different roles. She uh, came off of a hip injury from last year, and so she's playing in a slightly more defensive way than you might remember before her injury if you, when, when you last watched her in 2019 in that tournament in France. Um, she doesn't get forward nearly as often for a cross, but... She's better at stopping opponents one-on-one with her defending. She's better in the air. Um, so she could play some minutes at center back as well, because that's going to be a pretty young and inexperienced trio of players um, who are going to be central defense. So uh, they'll still play big roles. Uh, absolutely, Rupino, Morgan and O'Hara. But um, I think Morgan would be the only one I would think maybe would have a chance at one more World Cup after this. And uh, yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot of fresh faces who are hoping to kind of inherit that same sort of uh, status and mantle for the United States women.
0: Some of those younger players uh, at forward you have Trinity Rodman, Alyssa Thompson, Lynn Williams, Sophia Smith. So what kind of sort of mix and match style could we see here from lineups and just how explosive some of these players can be?
1: <laughs> yeah, Alyssa Thompson is uh, she's the future for sure um, alongside a handful of people. But Um, she's the first teenager to be called in to represent the United States at a Women's World Cup since uh, 1995. (laughs) It just goes to show you just how kind of ahead of the curve she is for her age relative to what usually gets called in, but she is really tricky on the ball. She's nimble. She's someone who's able to use her, um, you know, kind of youthful uh, vivaciousness to her advantage and break down a defender who's usually got a good positioning. She's quick. She's um able to do a lot of things i think that she's someone who's still pretty raw it's unclear if she's going to be more of a player who scores her own goals or sets her teammates up to do the finishing but um you know she will be able to pop in at key places on either wing um Lynn williams is someone who's older she's 30 but uh, she is a fantastic pressing forward who barely missed the world cup roster in 2019 um so i'd expect her to start uh, you get to Trinity Rodman, someone who can do a lot of that defensive work up front and set up crosses, can uh, be confident with her own shot, um, really good at dribbling with the ball. She's just a, a fantastic player to watch. And then Sophia Smith is arguably the best player in the entire pool right now. She um, is great on the ball. She loves kind of dribbling around defenders, setting up her own shot, and she does it really well. She's one of the most accurate finishers in the world. So, uh, very, very good for player to inherit the mantle of scoring responsibility from Alex Morgan. But um, I think what you'll see is you'll see a lot of young players who grew up watching, maybe not their teammates, but some of the teammates' old teammates. <laughs> and so, you know, we're idolizing this generation of players more than you know, you think of the last two World Cup rosters and the, the impact of that 1999 team with Mia Hamm and with Brandy Chastain and Julie Foudy and Brandi Scurry. Um, that was kind of who they were watching. Now we're getting into the, the group that was watching Abby Wambach and Megan Rapino and Abby Dahlkemper. And it's just really fun to see that sort of lineage. And, and you can kind of see uh, just like some really impressive technical ability when these young players take the field.
0: We've been talking a lot about the roster makeup here. Young players, older players, players who were unable to make the squad uh, that were going to have a major impact with injuries. So was there anyone for you who was left off of this roster that was healthy that was a surprise?
1: Yeah, there were a couple. It's a pretty thin roster when you look at a center back. Um, And there are two center backs who have been playing regularly for the United States, Tierna Davidson and Casey Krueger, who unfortunately weren't selected. Uh, They're playing for a club, the Chicago Red Stars, that is not doing very well It's a team in transition. And it's unfortunate to say, but that may have affected a couple of defenders' ability to make the roster. Um, Ashley Hatch is a a very good striker, um, someone who is dependable for Washington uh, in the NWSL, but uh, only really plays that one position. And Blasco is a coach who values versatility. um, And so players who can only play one role were, were generally kind of demoted. In the pecking order, um, A.D. French is a goalkeeper who had been.
0: Lost Jeff there for a, a second, but he is back. And uh, you were in the middle of talking about uh, the goalkeeper, <laughs> French, who was left off of the yeah. roster.
1: That's right. Yeah, so I, I think that there were players who, um, I, the, the bigger absences, frankly, are players who are hurt. Uh, and, and that's no disrespect to the other players in form. But I think when you look at the the, the kind of next tier, um, there isn't that that big you know, when you think on the men's side of Landon Donovan missing in 2014 and how unexpected that was, there isn't quite anything that's quite that shocking. Um, but there are some decisions that were made in terms of a player like Hatch or the center backs where you say, OK, so they're, they're trying to play a specific way. They're trying to have that sort of versatility. They're trying to find midfielders who can play defense, defenders who can play forward, whatever the case is, um, just to, to have rotated looks. And I mean, that's great news if you're a player like Christy Mewis or Savannah DeMello or Ashley Sanchez, who are some very talented midfielders who – otherwise may have struggled to get on the roster compared to other um, you know, more specialized uh, players, but uh, I think it does make for a very interesting roster. It makes for a lot of different looks. So um, yeah, it's, it's exciting how it all came together. I, I think that there are some, some clear absences, but again, there isn't necessarily that I can't believe that player is not here moment. Um, which is probably a good thing just for the team cohesion.
0: Jeff Reuter with The Athletic right here on KDOS AM 1060, the Women's World Cup set to take place July 20th through August 3rd in Australia and New Zealand. And the United States here, as we mentioned, is trying to go for a three-peat, and that certainly isn't going to be easy in and of itself with a big mix of veterans and youth. It's going to be uh, heavily reliant there on the youth, as you've been talking about. But when it comes to – moving away from the inner workings of the team, other countries that are trying to make a run at winning a World Cup you do have uh, you know Germany that's ranked second in in the standing Sweden ranked third Canada is coming off of a gold at the Tokyo games. so what other countries here uh, should we be paying attention to that are have really solid squads?
1: Yeah, this is probably the most competitive women's World Cup in history and th- and that's only a good thing and an exciting thing. Um, for the united states and for fans frankly uh, i think it just makes for a better tournament in general when you have better teams um you know you mentioned some strong programs you also have england a team that just won its first major trophy last summer um against the european competition uh which is kind of where the central power is right now with women's soccer as well as it is with men um so england will be a team that lost to the u.s in the semifinal in 2019 and will you know see themselves as one of the favorites france is a team that They had a lot of uh, kind of cohesion issues in terms of the federation not paying its players well. And they have a new coach um, who has only really coached them once or twice. But um, they are a team with a lot of talent uh, that went out in the quarterfinals. Spain is a team that is uh, very delightful to watch tactically uh, play in a very fun way. And, um, you know, they'll be looking to uh, contend as well. And Brazil is a team that has a young generation of players who really have impressed. And, um, you know, they've kind of been perceived to underperform a lot. Uh, in major tournaments, and so they'll be hoping to uh, use the, the great Marta's last World Cup as a way to finally make that run. So very, very deep field. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the begged question, of course, is how will the U.S. do? Um, and I think that they should be seen as one of the four front runners. I think that they should be expecting to make it to that semifinal, and then once you get there, it really is just whatever happens on the day, whoever's healthy, whoever's available, whoever's playing well, um, I don't think there's that same sort of it's the U.S. versus the world thing that we've been so used to with the last three or four. But again, it's only a good thing from a competition standpoint. And frankly, I think it's just good for the sport in general.
0: You know, the sport in general has taken leaps and bounds here with the, the U.S. women's national soccer team fighting for equal pay and uh, being rewarded that through through the through the courts and everything like that. So when now it comes to getting back on the field, playing in the World Cup, does that fight for equal pay put any added pressure on the players or does that topic really just go away? And the focus here now is turning to the action in Australia and New Zealand for the World Cup.
1: Yeah, I think unlike French, there or against unlike France in 2019, I think that they are much more equipped to just focus on their game. I think that they're in a better position to not have to be simultaneous advocates and athletes, um, and you know all that contract stuff has already been sorted out, which is only a good thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that you know there there is still a little bit of pressure on them. Understandably, I think that there are some fans who you know, for whatever reason, they, uh, whether they, um, you know, are going to make arguments that are dated or that are you know unfair to the players that's on them. But, um, I think that there are going to be people who see them as having the last four years, maybe have heard more about the U S women's national team as people who are advocating for women's athletes rather than hearing about them as women's athletes. So it's a good chance to kind of remind them what they're all about, how they got this sort of prominence in the sport. And, um, I think it's a really good opportunity for them to kind of back up what they've been doing. And, you know, with this collection of players, I'm pretty confident they can do that.
0: As we've been mentioning here, the World Cup gets started July 20th through August 3rd. So how can people follow along with your work for the World Cup uh, when it gets started, Jeff?
1: Yeah, you can uh, find everything I do over at The Athletic. Um, And right now we actually new subscribers sign on for $1. So if you find an article of mine, if you just search Jeff Reuter Athletic, um, you know, I have a detailed player by player breakdown of every single, all 23 who are going to be representing the United States. And so that might be a really good way to start and get to know some of these new names on the roster. But yeah, my colleagues, Meg Linehan and Steph Young will be in Australia and New Zealand covering the tournament and, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to it. So yeah, it should be a good time, but you can find everything I do at The Athletic.
0: Awesome. I appreciate your time, uh, expertise on everything. And we look forward to a fun world cup, uh, games the, uh, this summer. All right. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Once again, he is Jeff Ruder there with The Athletic.